All right, team, here we are back for another Wet and Dry podcast with myself and Adrian Matern. I have to say before we start, a huge thanks to everyone that's been listening to the podcast, leaving reviews, telling us how much they enjoy it. We really appreciate that. If you want to see the podcast continue to grow and to the point where we can get guests on like Rush Sturges, Evan Garcia, all these kayaking legends, please share the podcast around because it's really going to help and we can just continue making it better. With that being said, let's get straight into the next episode. Do you remember what episode what episode number we're on, Atty? I think this is number 10, bro. I think we're going Ooh. into the double digits these days. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go, mate. 10 podcasts down. Sick. And today we're going to be talking about wins and losses with expeditions and first descents. Um, I made a little bit of a list of things to talk about. Did you Did you also? I put them, some points down, yeah. Nice. Go on, mate. Hit us, hit us with your first one. Well, for me, I want to, I would love to get into the parts of winning and losing and the big general question, why, why it keeps us calling back to go explore, to go on expeditions, even though if you were to sometimes try to rationalize, it really doesn't make much sense when it comes to time spent in a car plane, money and energy versus how much time you are actually going to do on the river. It sometimes really doesn't add up, but yet somehow it always brings us back. So I find that quite interesting. Um, dude, yeah, dude, that is an interesting formula or calculation, eh? Like, if, especially if you if if you if you add in like getting jungle fucked and leeches and stung by plants and all the all the other wonderful things that happen on these missions, yeah, it's exactly. it's it's sometimes a bit of a slog. Sometimes <clears throat> sometimes it's just straight winning. You're like, oh my god, why haven't we been here years ago? Um, yeah, that's the <laughs> thing, eh? Like. It all really doesn't make sense until it makes sense, and then it makes all the sense. Um, one of my favorite trips to talk about is going, I think, to Kenya for that, because I think that was like the one of our first expeditions where it really felt like we found something people <laughs> would really want to go get back into, and not just like do it once and be like, okay, yeah, that was cool, but let's not get back into this again. Yeah, like an act, <clears throat> like an actual quality section of river that we're excited to recommend to people rather than exactly. a like. <laughs> Yeah, we made it down, but uh wasn't um you know, I don't know if we'll go back. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so exactly. So yeah, man, I mean Kenya was a beautiful trip. You know, it was it was me, you, David Sadomka and Dane. And you know, it was Hansa. We had Hansa and, and little Hansa. I always forget about him because he lives in Sweden now. <laughs> it's not fair of me. But you know, we had a dream team there. Um we were hooked up by James Savage and his company and they looked after us and like helped with a lot of logistics and you know, we got some good kayaking in, but it was when we found that up in the Amindi section where it really all made, all made sense to me and I was just so hyped. Um we were calling that rags to riches you know because it really and, and then that's where that whole like finding gold thing came from um there's been a few people use that term now which i think is cool i think yeah, that is really. i think that is the real gold um when you're you know when you find a decent section of white water you know forget the jewelry and the precious metal like that's the real gold a good section of river yeah and also you know like that one it kind of really from the beginning felt like it was going to be good like between driving up to the national park and be like okay this is going to be like a quite jungly approach to get to the river and then we were like able to pass the gate finding like the paths down to the river and all that kind of stuff where it really felt like okay like 
this uh this can be something properly this this seems nice this seems cool and then you know like the first like ledges and it's like runnable 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 awesome moves awesome moves like straight up and then finding that 30 foot i will never forget like us getting out you and dane running off and me and david were walking and all of a sudden i could just like i think i heard a chainsaw or something and then i could hear you both like shout around and i was like oh wow did they get into like a chainsaw accident or something <laughs> then yeah coming around the corner and just seeing this like perfect 30 footer hiding from the drone underneath this like canopy of trees that was magic that was so fucking cool yeah i mean that that whole way down the river you know every single rapid we came to was not only like runnable like to kayak down but it was also good it was quality and every single horizon line i was like please be good please be good oh my god it's good you know good. and then you know we had we google earth scouted that that whole section you know and we couldn't see that beautiful 30 foot with that amazing lead in because it was like a there's like a canopy of trees covering it you know and i thought it was a land bridge or something and i thought it was going to be some like sketchy hideous siphon formation Sipping, yeah so to get there and to just see an absolute treat of a waterfall, dude, it was just beautiful. It was magic. It, it finally felt like we had we had found something like truly worthwhile, you know. And then yeah, I was just, I mean, we were going nuts, you know, all of us <laughs> screaming, cheering, talking about who gets to go first. It's beautiful. Yeah, that, um, was, that was amazing. I I do love I do love in our crew that there's no drama about what place people go, you know, on these things. It's like, yeah, everyone's happy to go first, everyone's happy to go last and that's something that not a lot of people have, you know. When it comes to running rapids, you mean? I think so, and especially when I was younger, I was a bit more like not superstitious, but you know, like I would I would not be as calm about it and I would not care I, would, I you know like now i truly don't care but back then i'd, be, I'd either want to go first or not last you know <laughs> like going last was hard for me to be up there all that time just thinking and waiting, waiting. and watch. yeah but then sometimes it's nice to see someone probe it out and you're like oh that does that i thought that was gonna work way better <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the thing eh? like it's nice to have like a plan and being able to go first but of course like I would assume statistically, unless you're Dane, lines tend to do get better the later you are in the crew. Um, at the same time, there is that like magic number, especially when we are not kayaking with ourselves or with other people. And let's say it's a big crew and you're at some like park and park and hack type thing. It's also a numbers game, and it's as stupid as it sounds, but it's like okay, if there's 15 people here now it probably makes sense to go a little bit earlier to just like get away from possible drama. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, I just like being at the bottom and then if anything happens on there, you know, like, yeah. you know, like we, we had that, we had that situation with my accident where, you know, thankfully you and Hayden were at the bottom, you know? So I always want to try and repay that, you know, <laughs> uh, and I'm, and I'm always fired up to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, those are the, the golden finds, which uh, happen sometimes, but then also I was thinking back about our expedition just before COVID hit to Indonesia, which was very ambitious. It was it was a fun trip still, but we did not necessarily find the waterfalls we were aiming for, um, which is also part of the game and probably the, the majority the majority of the game, really. Remember yeah. that one? Yeah, dude. I mean, if we if we use that analogy of finding gold on that trip, I felt like we found like I don't know, 
like coal or like you know yeah not not anything not anything that great but it was a good learning curve you know um, 100% really good learning curve for future trips but yeah and f- for me as well man the realities of how slow that like in country travel is in Indonesia because the roads are very little you know so if you're on a if you're on a moped or whatever then you can then you can zip and you can cover ground at a reasonable pace but you know in a in a car it was such slow going remember we were like oh yeah it's only like 150k away we'll be there you know in a you know a couple hours and it was like all day all day yeah which was hard um dude for me I think one of the earlier ones I was on was actually a freestyle exploration trip, which is not often you get to do that. Mm-hmm. And that was absolute magic. That was to Dreamwave in northern, northern, northern Canada. And I guess that one of Joel Kowalski's friends had been flying over this river in a plane and she was like, Hey, Joel, took this photo of this rapid. I bet you'd love it. And she sent him the photo and he was like, Oh my God. No, actually. I actually do love it. Like, look at this. This is, this is, this could be one of the best river waves ever. And Joel did some scouting and some logistic planning. And at the end of the summer season, when everyone had time off for work, then we, then we loaded up a bus from Joel's family owned wilderness tour. So we loaded up um, a wilderness tours rafting bus with like 10 of us, drove however many hours north. And uh, and dropped into this river, uh, and we had like the freestyle kayaks, and we had rafts, and dude, it was it was a wild experience, and we, you know we were worried about bears, and they have these hybrid bears up there where it's like a grizzly bear gets it on with a brown bear, and then they have a baby, and they're like this this like hybrid cross bear, but we were stressed about those, and people, you know, there were shotguns in case the bears decided we looked tasty, and. Uh, yeah, we were working our way down the river and we found one or two little waves that I was already pretty happy about. You know, I was like, it's something new. We threw a couple of tricks, whatever. And then we got to that main wave, which we call Dream Wave. And it is it is the most perfect wave you've ever seen, man. It is unbelievable. And yeah, it felt like we scored big there. Yeah, um, that was a wild one, especially because you guys had that one first magic trip. And then after that, it never really came back into what it used to be, right? Well, we had that first trip where we rafted down the river from the top, right? Which took a few days extra, um, which, you know, you only have a certain amount of supplies because you're in the middle of nowhere. So to use those up, get into the wave is a bit sad because eventually you'll run out of food and the stuff you need to live, you know, so you'll have to leave. And the second time we went, it was um, it was Hal Monkman and Dane leading the charge and Benny. But we decided to, well, they decided I was just along for the ride. I was glorified luggage. Um, but they, they decided to jet ski up from the bottom of the river. And that was a wild experience, man, because this river is like miles wide. It's huge, you know, and it's a bit of a maze and you can get lost in there around all the islands. And the jet ski was, you know, it's a, it's a really good jet ski. It's like a Sea-Doo Spark, really fun, fantastic for being nimble and playful and really fun. But dude, this thing was packed. It was so loaded down. It was so unstable. And I just have this image of my in my head of like Hal Monkman wobbling around on the on the jet ski and like somehow keeping it balanced and managing to like jet ski up all these rapids. Dane had, I think, either Sidu had borrowed him one or he rented one, I forget, but 
yeah, we jet skied up there, which was amazing because it only took a few hours. Then we were what there were at the you wave. You, you were I, co-passenger or free? I, 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 was, I, was, I was on the back of um, Dane's jet ski, I think. Um, but yeah, we had two jet skis and yeah, the four of us. I forget if anyone else was there, but yeah, it was it was magic, dude. Then we got there and we sessioned, and Hal had, Hal had been like, "Ooh, we used a bit more fuel than we thought getting here, so we definitely should not, absolutely not, no matter how fun it is, no matter how great it is, we should not ride the jet skis around the wave." And that thought lasted for like a day, <laughs> and then and then you know we needed to, you know, of course it was really important to use the jet ski to get a good shot, you know. So like someone would be on the back of a jet ski film, you've got to, you know. And <laughs> dude, the ride out, we were running out of fuel. You know, we got halfway, we got halfway between the wave and where we had left Hal's truck, and mm-hmm. it was the the jet ski was telling us it was out of fuel. It was beeping. It was making the noise. It was. It was hilarious, man. And somehow, <laughs> somehow the fuel made it. Like we made it until the end, but we thought we were gonna have to like raft and like set a sail up and maybe try and paddle the jet ski home. And thank <laughs> God, somehow, like when the when the Sidu Spark tells you it's empty, it's not. It's it's got plenty more in it. <laughs> you guys found out the right way. Yeah, that's that's the beauty to it. I love these like, let's call it alternative approaches to problem solving and. <laughs> They sometimes work. I mean, remember when we were out in Indonesia, staking out this one stupid 60-footer and didn't find like an entry point because like the sea launch was real shit and we were looking at all different options and, you know, <laughs> thinking outside the box is a thing. So we were like, okay, so this is like a gorge. It's not that tall for a sea launch, maybe like 25, 20 feet, something like that. But that's also not like a good spot. What about a bridge? Like, what do you reckon how much it is to build a bridge? And then, you know, speaking to the locals, getting them to, like, build us a bridge, paying for the bridge, just everything to get it lined up for that 60-footer. Having that bridge finished, staking it out, and then getting uh, crossed by the old monsoon. Ah, that was sad. (laughs) Completely skunked, I know, mate. But, you know, it's nice. The locals locals have a new bamboo bridge to get across the river because the old one, I was a little bit intimidated to walk over it, you know? And that's like... That's like part of. Do you remember we were looking at it and we were like, how to how to get into position to drop this waterfall? And we were like, ah, oh, if only that other bridge was more downstream, and you could just seal launch off the bridge into this pretty nice looking 60, 70, 60 footer, you know. And then we were like, oh, I wonder how much a bamboo bridge costs, you know. And then uh, who translated for us? It was one of the local kayakers, right? It was one of the boys, Uki or somebody, yeah. Yeah, one of the local kayakers was like, "How much for the bridge?" And it was like, it was like sixty dollars or something, right? It was. It was In my not head, very it much. was thirty-five. I think it was oh thirty-five dollars for a bridge, which I'm stoked on. You know, dude, yeah, we'll build a bridge, <laughs> dude! Incredible, incredible. I love. I just, I just love as well. But the locals were like, "Yes, absolutely, no problem. We can do that." Just another walk in the park. This seems like a very normal request to us on a Tuesday. A new bridge it is. Dude, that's a life skill, eh? Being able to being able to um make things with bamboo, like make like structures wow. with bamboo. I'm gonna so go on impressive. a I'm gonna go on a 
bamboo construction course before the next expedition. <laughs> you never know oh. when you're gonna need, you never know when you're gonna need a bridge before a sixty footer. A bridge, a paddle, a raft, a spear, you name it. You could, it's all right there. Here we and go. And honestly, like it's all over the shop. I found bamboo in, in Chile kayaking around new and it was in Tib- it was in Tibet, remember that? Bamboo forest, like high up, however that mm-hmm. works. Such a universal plant all out there. Great um, plant. Yeah. Don't know if it's gonna be in Brazil though. Also, by the way. So currently I'm in the midst of packing up for a trip to Brazil together with David Sodomka and Matthias Weger. Um, it's all a little bit last minute because I got skunked by a cheeky, cheeky public holiday, which happened to be yesterday, which I did not expect. Anyways, doing some Googling and preparing. It's freaking 50 degrees Celsius down there. 50, five, zero. 50. Yeah. Let me get that into Fahrenheit. Uh, but it must be like, I guess it's one of the hottest places ever. I don't know how it's 50 degrees. That's 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Like, how is that a thing? Dude, I, I, you know, I was, I was obviously had massive FOMO for not, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't have time. I can't, I can't go. I don't, I'm good because I'd love to be there with you boys. But hearing that, I, I don't know if my ginger skin would survive these temperatures. I think I might actually is- melt. 50 is next level like i i mean I'll, I'll only believe it when i'm there and it's actually 50 but it seems to be quite warm because it went from like hey boys what type of sleeping bags should we take yada 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 to like how how are we gonna cool ourselves down in this <laughs> in this scorching heat <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna send you some money on paypal please buy one of those little fans for david because <laughs> the big you know the big the big guy gets hot quick yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be, it will be full on, but uh, <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> oh my god, amazing, man! And and like you know, I've been out of the loop because I was like, I can't go. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to know. I watch, I watch the videos and hear about it later. Um, mm-hmm. But but like, how have you found anything that you're stoked to check out yet? Or it's it's very much a, a go and find out trip. No, no, we have like a couple pins. There seems to be quite some waterfalls around that, like let's say 20 to 40 foot mark, which seem very tempting for Don River Freestyle. I've seen a few cool looking lips. I've seen two like 60, 70 footers, which look really cool. One of them, honestly, it looks like an exact copy of Tres Altos in Pucon. Like it looks like the mm. exact same waterfall. It's crazy. Like I've never seen two waterfalls looking that identical, honestly. Um, then... There's like another like 80, which I don't know if it's going to run with the water levels or not, but worth checking it out. And there's like a 110, 120. That one, the Brazilian kayaker Pedro Olivia dropped back in the day that shot in like the uh, purple boat, like going like that. <laughs> almost, almost doing a front flip off it. Yeah, that's also around there. And I would love to see that in person and check it out. Um, and then other than that, check out the sections in between. But lucky enough, we have one or maybe even two like local kayakers from Pepe's group of friends who have like lots of just pins um, from places they've seen but never kayaked around and they would love to see somebody go. So hoping to use that as well and then just feel it out because it's Brazil, it's the Amazon, it's it's less like other regions where you have like a defined monsoon season and a dry season and a whatever season. It all seems to be the same every day, like hot during the day, it starts running in the afternoon so hard to f- to pinpoint like an exact season for it 
which is really weird because whenever we go kayaking we go somewhere when the season's right correct like it feels a bit w weird to just go somewhere and be like yeah it's always good it's always the same um but in the end of the day it's just one of those like even though it was kind of last minute to be able to go to brazil and trips like that i would usually like a little bit more preparation time it's an opportunity and if you don't know if you don't go you don't know um, that happened before. Kenya was the same. When, when you think about that, it's the same idea, like very short term, lots of on-ground solution solving. Um, so yeah, I'm stoked to go there and check it out. I've seen that Colombia currently is also hit by a drought, which was like the other option, Colombia or Peru. They're both dry, so not missing out too much there, which gets me uh, stoked to go to Brazil. But first, I think biggest uh challenge will probably be tonight getting the boats checked in because the airline we're flying with does definitely not accept kayaks as their special baggage but lucky us we're flying windsurfs these days so uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah fingers crossed we're gonna check Thank that all in and uh find ourselves in brazil with our windsurfs and they i always feel like the penguins from that kids film madagascar they have this saying like smile and wave that's me in the airport when i'm checking in my kayak I'm just smiling waving making best friends with the airport check-in staff yeah, you, yeah. Uh, no problem you gotta be man. a charmer you gotta be a charmer and yeah. feel it out i mean you know there's uh there's many different ways to go about this i think i feel like uh Different people trying to check in the same kayak can also lead to very different outcomes depending on, as you said, how nice you are to the people, how much you're stressing, how how well you're able to communicate your very, very big need to get this thing on board, you know. Um, but I'm very, I'm very positive. I feel like if there's anybody I can go check kayaks in with, it's David and Bigger. I think it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah absolutely absolutely I, I think that i think my top tip for anyone checking in a kayak is is to be confident and to be friendly and to just not accept when they say no because i've been told no before and you can you can normally get around that you know yeah, i was I mean sorry so no after you mate yeah and, and no at the airline check-in is is often a soft no um so yeah, as you said, there's there's way to go around this. And so far, knocking on wood, I've never been left stranded with no kayak. Um, I hope to continue this trend. Fingers crossed for you, mate. <laughs> Let me know. Send me a text when you're all booked in and on the flight. We'll do. Nice. Yeah. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say um, one time it was, of course, it was was with Lufthansa german precision you know they brought out a tape measure to make sure the kayak would fit on the little plane in mm -hmm. to get to the bigger airport and i was thinking then how great it would be to have a mismeasured tape measure you know so like it's it's wrong you know so it would it would read not like whatever the limit is like nine foot but it would actually be like eight foot you know and you'd be like <laughs> oh, I've, I, I happen to have a tape measure here Let's Check measure it out. together. You can clearly see two hundred and seventy <laughs> centimeters. No problem. I've been I've been tape measure checked a couple times, but even with a correct tape measure, somehow, even though the boat was too big, it worked out. I don't know if this was the <laughs> niceness of the lady having to pretend something, but um, yeah, I don't know. I've been tape measured before twice, and I was just like, I am just not accepting that this is too small. Like no. And it somehow worked out. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yep. Yep. Airport checking tips. 
be confident, be friendly, never take no for an answer. No, it's not an option. Um, and then, yeah, things tend to work out. So fingers crossed it's all going to work out because really there's not really a plan B. I don't, don't feel like Mato Grosso in Brazil is a place which carries the kayaks we need. So, yeah, yeah I can't think of a kayak shop down there in, there in that none. particular area at least. There is none. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's all going to work out, and I can't wait to hear about it. And I hope you, I hope we can figure out Wi-Fi or phone signal or something down there, and we can do some updates while you're there. Yeah, I would love 100%. that. Percent, I would love to do that on way. the podcast. Super cool. <laughs> and then same for you. Speaking about how kids tours going with the Groms and all that. When is that starting next week? Um, no, I've actually got a little bit of time now. I think it starts on the twentieth. But um, huh. Janice. Janice, the, the the manager from Palm, is in charge of logistics because I'm not good at this. So it's in my calendar. But I just, it's one of those things I'm like, I know it's in like, a, we've got time. So I don't know the exact time because you know, you know what sort of person I am. I'm like, ah, yeah, it's fine, whatever. And then it's it'll probably today. get, exactly, exactly. It's not today. <clears throat> and then it'll probably get to like the day before and I'll be like, oh my God, here we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I'm so stoked to kayak with the Groms. It's like, it started off, we didn't really know it was what it was going to be. Just mm-hmm. Paul Robertson, the marketing manager from Palm was like, you know, Bren, like, you know, like the kids and the locals are all stoked on you and that you come from the UK, but we don't get to see you in the UK that often. And not a lot of people kayak with you when you're in the UK because it's normally on, on like harder rivers and stuff. He's like, so I think it'd be cool if you rocked up to the parks and like hung out and shredded and gave some tips and stuff. And we did it. And man, it's so fun. Like, I love it. And what's cool now is we've seen we've been doing it for a few years so you can see the progression in everyone you know all of the locals but especially in the groms it's insane man how fast kids learn i'd i'd sort of forgotten that you know of how exciting it is and especially when you're into freestyle and you're like progressing into harder and harder tricks um i i remember you know like looking back so many summers where I was like, wow, last summer I couldn't even get close to this trick, you know, but now we can hit it and now we're trying to do combos and it's just, it's just so fun and so rewarding. That's dope, bro. Talking about freestyle. Have you read the ICF release, uh, the statement they released like two days ago or yesterday? No, I don't like the ICF. What did they say? Well, uh, concerning freestyle worlds. So it turns out they obviously have a drought down there, right? so in columbus dude i take i texted dane because i saw the wave was not a wave anymore it was like a hole like oh yeah so basically they had this all comes out like a reservoir and uh they had the releases scheduled to keep it below what's usually coming out of that reservoir to enable in order to create a wave um and it was scheduled to ramp back up like a couple days before the competition in order to like you know have equal training possibilities opportunities yada 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 and now it's like an Uber drought, and I think they have had to cut together the release like basically entirely. And they were talking about like I think cutting out women's women's uh, going straight to finals with eleven people, um, rather than because it's like you, like once you flush, you can't get back into it, right? It used to be yep. four rides, best two counts. Now they cut that for everybody. Now that cut that down to two rides, both count, stuff like that. And then like training possibilities is cut like basically away. <laughs> it's, it's a sad day to be out there. Like poor everybody who's like, you know, yeah, spent all that time training. Wave, like, yeah. Oh man, that's so sad to hear. 
okay, now you've got my curiosity. Now we have to Google and read it. Yeah, yeah you should check that out. Because they have to, um, like the format will change, you know, normally, normally mm-hmm. like you get some throwaway rides as the stages develop, you know, and like finals is like you, you're only, only your best ride counts. It doesn't matter, you know? So, oh man, are they going to cut the men's down as well? You know no, you're saying? You mean like the rides? Like how you were saying like the women's may potentially go straight to finals or something? No, we, I think if I remember correctly, it was like only 11 starters. And they were like, okay, if we have 11 rather than 10, we're going to go straight to finals. It might be must, one that, woman or dude, something. That, that must be, yeah, there's, there's so many women freestyle shredders out there. That must be yeah, like yeah. women's squirt bow or women's, I, I, no, don't, I don't even know the categories. The it's obviously oh, something okay. on the wave. Um, I think it might be C1 woman or woman juniors. I don't know. Anyways, they're like cutting down the format pretty strictly and, and abrupt. Which, I mean, yeah, what are you going to do about it? If there's no water, there's no water. But still a bummer. Um, so so sad, man. Yeah. And I don't know for like how much FOMO that creates. Is there stuff around to paddle down there? Have you ever been? No, I've never been. I do know that there's like several spots along that river that look really good. Or mm-hmm. Because there's like, I think there's one or two really good um, holes. And I think there's another like small wave just upstream. And there's maybe another feature. But yeah, it looks looks like an all-time place to hang out. But I think I think you do need the water there. Like I've never seen, the one clip I saw of a wave, I've never seen footage of it look like that and see people sessioning on the park, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, you mean like uh, in, during training or when that high water hit? Um, Sorry, just in general. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like because I've, um hunter cottage is a local there and bennett's i think bennett smith is sort of close to there by american distant standards so you know i've I've seen a lot of videos of them absolutely shredding there and it always looked like there was like some sort of like base flow or something and you know it changed a little bit but i've never seen it i've never seen the main wave look this low um, yeah yeah so yeah, really sad, man. Really sad. I was quite excited to watch. I mean, I'll still watch it, but I was excited to see a wave world, you know? Yeah, for now sure. It's, I mean, the last one was Garb, right? Um, yeah. Yep. And that was that was magic, man. That was, I think, you know, like that Platling World Championships where we sort of met each other a little bit. That was mm-hmm. that that was I think my favorite one just because of the lifestyle around that place and and the feature is just you know for a, for a small um hole it is one of the nicest ones in the world you know it's fantastic sure. and the lifestyle around there is incredible because you're all just camping out next to a river with your friends it's so cool but yeah garb worlds for a feature for me that was the best the best one that i've been to um i absolutely love that one i thought it was so cool Damn, I'm I'm good for everyone. I I really hope people are staying positive there and adapting to it. But that's how it always is with when you're when you're competing on a sport that is so reliant on on nature. You know, whether there's a dam upstream or not. Um, you know, you always have to like improvise and adapt to the changing conditions that you're given. And now we're, I guess we're really going to see that. I mean, that's our curse and our blessing at the same time, right? I don't think there's many sports which are that complicated to plan out even projects or trips ahead just because we have so many factors come into play which are basically outside of our reach like whether let it be rainfall let it be temperatures let it be dam releases let it be uh 
yeah, snow melt, like anything. It's it's so hard to pinpoint exact dates because we have all these factors rather than, hey, let's do a street skate contest. Here's a piece of tarmac. Let's go. Yeah, 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 exactly, man. Exactly. But it's it's cool to interact with that. And I think then you you really feel more in touch with what's going on with climate change, you know, because even even in our life, our, our time kayaking, I've seen seasons change, you know, like the time windows and that's not that long, relatively speaking, which is sad to think about. I wonder whether it will cycle back. Um, yeah, but yeah, we'll see. Dude, I was I was just thinking then, um, not only is it hard to get the water levels and the weather and the conditions and all that, but sometimes there's also bureaucracy and like all these hoops to jump through as well. And sometimes you get shut down because people that don't kayak think that it's dangerous and that you shouldn't kayak it. And I was thinking back to that trip in, was it India? Yeah, it was India because we had gone. We'd all gone for Meghalaya River Festival, which was sick. Really good times mm -hmm. there, and then we were going to go off exploring afterwards. And we were just constantly like, "How do the police always know what river we're trying to do?" And you know, like, why are they always shutting us down? And we, you know, we tried to explain to them, like, you know, we're we're you know not to be big headed, but we're relatively good at kayaking. Aside from this Dane guy, but the rest of us will look after him, you know. And uh, we could we could never figure out. Um, how the police knew where we were going to be all the time and then we found out that our driver justin had been snitching on us to the police and uh i was i was so mad dude justin almost ended up in the boot of a car i was about to say i feel like justin was our worst worst local driver slash helping person yet ever of all time like Do not do not take Justin for a ride on Indian roads. <laughs> He's going to try to kill you in a car, snitch you out to the cops, or... And whilst doing all that, he's still still able to be incredibly slow doing all that. <laughs> yeah, and, and very sad and grumpy all the time, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I, yeah. But then on the flip side to that is like, we've met so many incredible people that help so us with many. logistics and driving. So it's big people. Man, people are so kind. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's there's so many people that have driven for us in these countries where I'm like, dude, if I had the money, I would just employ you full time, you know, and we would live happily ever after driving from river to river. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sammy from, from Kenya, he was an OG. Dude, like, Sammy was Sammy was a legend. Loved him. Yeah. No, no. That's I mean that's that's the I would say our Indian our Indian driver was probably the exception to the rules that in general people are super nice and really try to help us to get to these places and I mean usually there's also like a, a certain sense of proudness you know that, that this is their country and this is what their places they come from has to offer to like a new sport and unknown sport such as kayaking so I feel like people generally are super stoked to show us around their their country and get us to these places and waterfalls and type stuff yeah dude definitely and you know i again i think i think like you know we normally pay them pretty well and you yeah. know we're not but we're not the worst people to hang out with and you know they have to drive around their country and show us some locations and hang out you know it's 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 not a bad job i don't think so i think it's a pretty good job you get your beers once in a while lots of <laughs> <shit> chat <laughs> some smelly kayakers in the back oh, get dude. your beers 
get your beers a lot with a trip with David. Do you remember we we had like camped out somewhere in Kenya and he's like, okay, perfect, everything's set up. Now we just have to get beers. <clears throat> and he drove. <laughs> and they went on a mission, David and the driver, to go and get beers somewhere and came back like the heroes they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see what, uh, what David is going to do about that situation in Brazil. I really feel like we're going to go in the middle of nowhere. Um, so either it's going to be a big old crate of beers or there are roadside available. By the way, Bren, we are back in the Dacia Dasta, the old trustworthy. Oh, yes, the, the car of choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will I probably will need that car as well, but I'm stoked that we, we could, could claim that and not did end up another like mini car type thing. Yeah, That's man. Good. The Dacia Duster, our friend uh, Mike Kratansky, when we were going to Turkey, told us like he's like when you come to Turkey, like you fly into this airport and you need a Dacia Duster, and that's it. You're gonna go to these rivers and you're gonna have a great time. And this little car is incredible. It goes everywhere. It's and it's like and it's cheap and it just works. And I'm well impressed with that car, man. Yeah, and uh, that's a good go-to. Yeah, dude. And then we we went back to Turkey and I was in charge of booking the rental car. And of course, when we got there, I booked, I'd book, like they didn't have a duster because they're they're great and they were all rented out. And I thought we were going to get like a Ford Torneo, like minivan or something. And then we get there and we were like, and, and they were like, "Mm, sorry, we don't have that either, but we have this. (laughs) And we had, I forget what it was, like a little, a little mini, I was, you know, for for me and the rest of the boys who are um, perfect kayaking size height, it was not the end of the world. But for Johnny Longlegs over here, it was Impossible. not not that much space for you. It felt like a little RC car or something you brought up to the airport. It was like, funny one, brand. show me the remote. Let's get this thing out of here and get me a normal size car. Nope, that was it. Like a... Um, in England, sometimes there's like a like a toy car outside the supermarket, and you can put twenty p in it, yeah, and, yeah. and it will it will you know <laughs> bounce around or something. Oh, you know <laughs> but, these shopping carts for kids, which also look like cars. Oh, dude, yeah, That's it's ridiculous. Like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. The life of a giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another one for today. Um, gotta buy myself some nice roof racks, the same ones we had in in Turkey. Oh, mate. Know? The two by four. What? Okay, go on. That should that's something people should know about. We were we were yeah. trying to solve. We were trying to figure out a roof rack situation for the Dacia Duster, and it's got the roof rails on it, and you can put a strap underneath it. And Adrian had the genius idea to buy um, some like some lengths of wood before we flew, and to fly them with our in our paddle bag, and it worked flawlessly. Eh. Mm-hmm. It now even did two trips. We had these two by fours of us on the first trip, which was good. Remember, like, for whatever reason, my kayak did not like to stay on that roof that trip. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but you, you have to imagine like Exo just came out with this like new design, and I had the you first could, boat out of the mold. You couldn't buy it yet, right? You couldn't get no, no, it. it was, no one else it was, had it. Yeah. No, it was still a prototype, first bought out of the mold. I'm super hyped on it. I'm taking it to Turkey to go kayaking. And I think we were there for like 10 days, and I was like taking really nice care of it on the river. On During 10 days of kayaking, that thing somehow flew off our roof seven times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but something was cursed. It really did not want to stay on that roof. 
Dude, it it was calmer, man. Do you remember how you <laughs> like you know me and Adrian kayak together a lot, and like when we're tying kayaks on the roof, you know, I would tie yeah. them on, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't be over the top, you know, I'd make sure they were tight. I wouldn't be over top over the top, and Adrian would always be like, Bren, you have to go through a grab handle, you know, and you have yeah, to do exactly. this, and I'm like ah blah 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 whatever. But I never lost the kayak. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I chucked that off seven times. <laughs> karma, mate. <laughs> Straight up karma. And then the other day, like I, I really, I really, really don't want to lose a kayak on the road. Like I have this like dude, I'm scared yeah, be... of killing like a road biker or that thing dude, flying into somebody's dude, it w- windshield. It would be terrible. And what's worse is you good. you'd scratch your pride and joy needlessly. You know, like it's alright if it gets damaged on the river. I'm not okay mm-hmm. with it getting trashed on the road. Yeah, and then the other day I was driving to Salzburg from Innsbruck. It's like 6 a.m. in the morning. I have a, a boat on my roof, or better on Johnny's roof because I was using his car. Mine wasn't there. And then I'm driving, minding my business, nothing too crazy, sipping my coffee. I look in the back mirror and I just see like this like 2 meter 70 piece of plastic looking very like much like a kayak in the air. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Like hitting the hitting the autobahn and like flying all over the show. Luckily, didn't hit no no cars. And I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" Pulled over, hit the emergency lights, and turns out the strap literally just ripped. Like not the buckle broke, the strap ripped. And because of that, my kayak was sent all over the highway. That was another one I really don't need to uh, reproduce anytime soon out there. That was sketch, man. Because that was early in the morning, right? Thank God, not much traffic yeah, on the thank roads. God. Thank God, I had like it was still, it was definitely still cars. Like I was definitely running over the highway in my socks and sandals, like <laughs> stressing and like, like a little like maybe ten second window before like another more cars came. But luckily, everything worked out. Lesson learned there. Mate, know, I bet yeah, you don't don't use shitty straps. Bet, bet you felt. I bet you felt awake after that. No need I for morning feel, coffee. Ah, oh, bro. That's exactly the first thing I thought to myself. I was like, well, did feel a bit tired. Not anymore. I can probably scrub that coffee. And uh, yeah, I was awake for the day. <laughs> Money-saving solutions. Just throw your boat off the roof. Oh, mate. One of, one of the things, yeah, but that, I mean, the, the wood, the wooden, the lengths of wood and traveling with those in the paddle bag. Honestly, mate, I think this is the smartest thing you've ever come up with. I love that solution. It's <laughs> per- it's perfect. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I gotta gotta do that as well. And then David texted me last night. He was like, I'm, I lost my camera charger. Can you get me a camera charger in Heidelberg? Blah, blah, blah. I'm gonna call Matthias to like go to Innsbruck and pick up one from yours. And I was like, oh no, more last minute fuckery. But then I woke up this morning to David's text saying that you found it. So happy days oh. there. Oh, good. Now it's just, now it's just, uh, it's it's roof racks I got to buy. It's, it's uh, card, cardboards to like, you know, pack our windsurfs properly okay. and make sure they don't look like kayaks. That would be a weird misunderstanding. So it's that, and then I think packing up my shit, the boys come here in like a couple hours, and then off to the airport. Of course, because you're flying out of Frankfurt. We fly out of Frankfurt, yeah. Oh, Super nice. expensive to fly to South America. Mate. That one was like, I can't even call it okay, but it was like the most bearable one. Let's put it that way. 
It's funny, isn't it? How you have your expectations of how much you'll pay for something and how much you're willing to go over that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially down there, you know, like I used to fly to Chile or South America for, let's say, 600, 700, sometimes 500. I used one time I had a one way for 280, you know, and this time you're you're looking at at least 1500, starting with shitty connections, going all the way up to like 30 something uh, hundred euros for return flight to South America. It's crazy. See, and then when you see flights that are that expensive, when you find something that's like relative, like relative, like cheaper than that, but much more than you would normally like to pay, you're like, well, it could be worse. Could be free grand. Exactly, and sad process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But you know, there's there's worse things to spend your money on. I think so too. Um, but yeah, that's all we do. What to say? Nice, dude. I think. Um, one thing you were talking about those waterfalls you were going to check, check out. One thing that a lot of people ask is, is how do you know a waterfall's deep before you kayak off it? You want to you wanna expand on that and what we learned when we were in Indonesia? Yeah, let's have a run through. So basically, um, in order to know how deep a waterfall really is, you'll only ever know if you go. That's for sure. Like there's There's no other way around it. Um, yeah, I mean, you can, you can make educated guesses on the type of rock and how it's falling and what it's landing onto. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, like how the water comes back up from a boil gives me a really good indication of how deep it is. And, you know, if the water's like spraying up like really aggressively, then, then, you know, it's hitting something hard and that's what's causing that, you know, whereas if it's like, if it's like bubbling up and looking like a, like a normal, boil that you see on a good waterfall that you've done before then you then you can you, you can make a good guess that it's probably good um but you know certainly it's like nice to try and probe out the bottom before you fly off it <laughs> yeah and i mean usually we see it with especially with new waterfalls we often see it with with no water or too little water to run in the boat and that way you get to see the <laughs> pool what the pool looks like when it's not filled up and and be able to make a good guess is there a shelf coming in from the back all that type of stuff because I mean, sometimes there's still waterfalls runnable, which like look like crazy spray, spray like think about Exingdalen. And that goes because, I mean, there's not much space between the rocks and your kayak, um, but it does obviously go. Um, so it's really nice to just see it with, with l less water than what you want to have it at or no water ideally. And then you can like swim around. You have your time to like go check it out properly, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, mate. Exing is a weird one. Like I would, I would, never have come first off that waterfall i think it was ian garcia was it they got the first d on that uh i believe it was ian garcia first d t brad second d something something like that dude absolute savages no way would i have gone off that first i would have been like wow that's a really cool rolling however big it is 70 80 foot but it's a shame that it like lands onto that rock at the bottom and yeah, for them to clearly tell <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can see it i can see the yeah. water hitting it so yeah, super inspiring that they probed that out. But this one trip we were on in Indonesia, you know, like many times we were shut down because the depth wasn't deep enough for these waterfalls, which was really sad. And I think that comes to down to like a lot of them not having water going off these waterfalls all year round. So it's not doing a great job of eroding it. And when it does have a big rain event, normally it's just dumping sediment into the pool and it's just shutting down all these perfect looking waterfalls because it's not deep enough really sad 
Yeah, but as you said, lesson learned right there. Um, just another one to add to the repertoire and, and go from there. I hope to report that Brazil is different than Yes, Indonesia. please, mate. <laughs> yes, please. Both both myself and everyone listening to this podcast just wants to hear about new new gold and sick lines off waterfalls and good times with the boys and 50 degree heat. Um, but yeah, brother, safe, safe travels. Look forward to hearing from you and uh, you yeah, have a sick one. I will, I will. I will keep you guys updated on how Brazil goes. And on that note, I would say let's end today's podcast, huh? Yep, nice one. Catch you in the next episode, team. Catch you in the next one epi uh, episode, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. We are reading the feedback. We are appreciating the feedback. It is incredible so far how many people we've been uh, getting told that they listen to the podcast, that they enjoy it. It's super cool to hear that, especially from... We were saying from people left and right, you know, you we really wouldn't think who are actually listening to this like niche kayaking podcast thing. But it's awesome to see everybody's support gets us fired up to keep this going. She keep the show rolling and grow it over the next couple months and years and, and see where it's going to end up. But so far, it's been super fun. And uh, yeah, catch you in the next one.